Today, we're going to talk to a friend about what we do with God's reckless, sustaining, and sacrificial love. Join me in my conversation with Trey Oldham. Welcome to the Sifted Wheat Podcast with Leslie Lamb, a counselor by profession, a minister of truth, and a lover of people. This is a safe place where she sets a path for others to learn how to move through hard seasons with confidence and grace, encouraging your faith, empowering your choices, and challenging your perceptions through the word, the wisdom from years of counseling others, and her own experience of being sifted. Here's Leslie. Guys, I am so excited. Today we're doing things a little different. I have one of the most incredible people, Pastor Trey Oldham. And I don't know if you wanted me to call him Pastor Trey. Yeah, you can call me whatever you want. <laughs> But he is a pastor, and I tell this to everyone that asks me about my church, is one of the things that I love is that I have a pastor who is a shepherd. You are truly a shepherd for people. And so that's why it was important for me to invite you in for this conversation, because the last few episodes, we've been talking about the parable of the prodigal. Mm. And we've seen it through the lens of God's love towards the older brother. Mm -hmm. We've seen it through the lens of God's love toward the younger brother. And then also God's love through the third son, which is Jesus Christ, who is telling the parable. And so not only are we talking about God's amazing love for us, which walks through his reckless love towards the prodigal son. It walks through his sustaining love for the older brother who he was there with and everything that he had was his. And then also the sacrificial love Mm -hmm. of Jesus Christ for all of us, even those who wouldn't choose him. Mm -hmm. He still chose to die for us. So then it leaves us with the question, if God loves us so well, then what is our response to the world around us? And so that's why I wanted to invite you in because you have a shepherd's heart. And I know that you have a beautiful story of doing something uncomfortable and reckless and radical (laughs) and sacrificial. (laughs) And so that's why I wanted to invite you in. But just kind of off the top, when you think about the parable Who do you identify with? Like, who do you feel like you connect with? I've thought about that a bunch of times because it's honestly one of my favorite parables. I find myself so often sitting in the older brother's seat. I wasn't bold enough to be the younger brother. I wasn't daring enough, maybe wasn't even confident enough to consider going out and risking. So I I, I tended to sit in the older brother's seat. And when the younger brother comes back, I'm the sulker. I'm the one that's like, but I was here. I never, I never left. What is wrong? I find myself all too often desiring the accolades like the older brother did. When I read his story, I can just see some of my personality coming out. I think I can identify pretty easily with his frustrations. And we talk about that even in, you know, the podcast I talk about, like really it's both of them have a shame response. Mm -hmm. Like, the younger brother comes expecting punishment Mm -hmm. and the older is is still, I'm going to blame you. I don't like the situation that I'm in. I don't like that. I feel like I've been left to do this by myself. And so I'm going to blame you instead of taking responsibility. And I just, I, I always find myself in tears when I get to the father's response in both scenarios. 
you know, with the older son, he's willing to sit and visit. But there's just something about the the father's using your term, the reckless abandon that he does just in the the hiking up of his robe, yes. exposing what would have been truly embarrassing in the era and running. Right. You know, landlords, owners of property, they don't run, they don't chase, they don't go after. They are the ones who wait for people to come to them. Mm-hmm. And um I don't know. It's just, it's a tearful thing for me to think about that my father, uh, whether I sit in the younger brother or older brother's seat doesn't matter. He is going to run to me. Right. Um, because he desires that. One of the things I think probably the greatest revelation for me in my own journey of learning to follow Christ is I realized God believed in me long before I ever believed in him. And that, that became transformational for me because that means he was always running to me. I love that. And, you know, and that's one of the things that we bring up, too, is like Jesus wasn't creating this. I choose you. I don't choose you. Like both in that story, the parable of the prodigal and also in the parable of the lost sheep, we can sometimes interpret that to mean he left the ninety nine, like he abandoned them and rejected them to go after the one. But that's not true. He was bringing the one into the 99. Mm-hmm. So with that, you know, thinking about that, where what is your story of going after the one? So I always preface this story. I've only been asked to share it a couple of different times outside of the random moment when it's necessary in a sermon. And I preface it with this. When God calls you to do something that feels completely reckless, he is going to surround you with people that are going to affirm that choice. Mm. Um, so never, ever go and just decide, I'm going to be reckless with this. Mm-hmm. You know, just understand that God is going to place either a brake pedal in your path or, right. or an accelerator in your path. And so um, this has been now, uh, this probably started just about 13 years ago because it, it began shortly after my younger child was born. There at the church I was at in Indiana, we had this guy just kind of show up one day and uh, he was a young guy. He was in his probably early to mid twenties, very respectful, very well kept, but in communicating with him, finding out that he's homeless and understand when you get closer to a major city, homeless can mean a lot of different things. Right. But this was a guy who was, was more or less couch surfing but had lost his surfboard. Mm. (laughs) So he comes to the church and he's like, I don't know exactly what to do. And so my first response is I take him to Goodwill and we buy him some clothes because wherever he left, he had to leave quickly. And so not knowing the story, but just feeling the presence of like, hey, I want to do something. God is saying you need to be doing something. And so I helped him and I didn't know exactly what was going on in where he was sleeping or different things like that. But Over the next couple of weeks, he just kind of showed up more and more, and he was always there wanting to know if he could do something to earn some money to buy some food or something like that. And eventually, and I don't think I even mentioned this in the the sermon where you heard me talk about this, but uh, we had a barn. I just let him sleep there for about three or four weeks. And so he would come to church on Sunday mornings and on Wednesday nights and engage with people. And he was very respectful and very kind. And then just one day he kind of disappeared. Didn't really know what was going on with him. Prayed for him whenever he crossed my mind. But all of a sudden, it moved that year. It was late November. It was coming into Thanksgiving time. And for whatever reason, he was just really heavy on my heart. And I would talk to my wife about him every now and then. And then one morning, I'm taking my boys to daycare. And there is at an intersection, we have our first, it was our first solid freeze. And I come up to an intersection and there is 
two fire trucks, a police car, and an ambulance. And they are standing over what is possibly a lifeless body. Mm. And my mind was instantly like, oh my gosh, is that this guy? Right. And I can't deal with it right now. I've got my kids. Their daycare is just two miles away. I'm going to go there and I'm going to come back and I'm going to stop and check out uh, what's going on. And so I went, I dropped them off. And when I came back, there was nothing at that corner. Like I was sure they would still be there. Uh, At least a cop or somebody writing a report. Nobody, everybody was gone. And so I was like, okay. So my wife and I really began to pray for this friend. Not sure exactly what to do, not sure how to find him, not sure what what was going on in his life, but just felt this real burden. And about two weeks before Christmas, I found him. He was working at a cash for gold place, living in a local motel that was a $25 a night motel. Mm. So not a high quality spot, but he was earning enough money to be able to stay there. And we as a family, my wife and I, with our almost one-year-old child and a four-year-old child, We decided to have him over for Christmas and we went, I found out that he played the guitar, but he had lost it in a fire. So we went and found a used guitar, bought him a guitar for Christmas, got him a gift card that was, that was actually good for a down payment on an apartment. We had done some research, found some apartments that he could afford and were willing to help him kind of get things going. And I talked to my wife as Christmas was approaching and I was like, I am feeling like we need to like give this guy a true leg up and invite him into our home. (laughs) I remember my wife's first response was sure. (laughs) That's what we'll do. But she was completely open to listening for what God had. And so she began to pray towards that. Well, sure enough, Christmas Eve rolls around. I connect with him. I go get him, bring him to the house. We, we cook supper together. He opens his gifts. He's kind of blown away that anyone would even think this. And Amy just, nudges me. She's like, Hey, come help me clean the dishes real quick. And I was like, okay, that's no problem. And so we leave and she pulls me around the corner and she goes, you're right. We're supposed to move him in. I was like, so when? Yeah. (laughs) She goes, go now. She and I approached him and just said, you know, we're, we're kind of thinking this, we have a kind of a spare bedroom that, that my wife's parents would stay in when they would come down to watch the kids and different things like that. And so we're like, it's a Murphy bed. But it's it's yours if you want it. It's at the other end of our house. And he was like, that would be amazing. And he accepts. And uh, we moved him in. The interesting thing to this is so we're I'm going to the hotel. I'm, I'm getting this guy's clothes, uh, helping him to pack up into the single suitcase that he lives in mm. for with everything he owns. I've just doubled his possessions with a guitar and hats and gloves and things like that to keep him warm. And the next morning, at this point in time, we're living in Indiana. My family is still here in Louisiana. We have Christmas morning and include him in that. And then that afternoon, we get in our vehicle and we leave for Mm. Louisiana for a week. Wow. And we just had to accept that there's a possibility we come home to an empty house. We left him one of our vehicles Mm -hmm. that may or may not be there when we get back. Right. Uh, We knew all of this going in. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, a big part of my family is that we show love and appreciation through giving gifts. We almost weren't able to get all of the gifts in our car to drive back home after Christmas. And I can remember my wife sitting on the floor and just bawling. And she's like, he doesn't, he doesn't have this much stuff. And this is our Christmas gifts. Right. And so my wife's just sitting there and she's bawling and and we come home and everything is perfect. Mm Mm-hmm. 
this guy has respected our home. He has respected our vehicle. He has, he, we showed him where food was and he's welcome to eat on that and everything else. The, the gift card that we had given him that was going to cover his rent down posit still on the refrigerator. Mm-hmm. Everything's exactly where it was supposed to be. And, and that was the beginning. Uh, this guy actually lived with us kind of the, the big part of the story to me is what God was calling me to do for me. Yeah. Um, it wasn't about what kind of life transformation I had on this guy. Right. Um, because I grew up with not a lot of stuff and I carried a lot of value in this stuff. The guy was with us for about six weeks in that time frame. Um, he helped us with house chores and, and was, like I said, he was always very, very respectful, but there came a spot and a time where he tested a boundary and we said, I don't want to sound like your mom, right. but, but we at least need to know this and this and this. Mm-hmm. And over the next four or five days, he slowly stopped coming back to the house. And I, I saw him one more time about two years later, and he was still living a homeless lifestyle. God was doing a work in me. And it was necessary for me to do something that was completely outside of my character in order to begin to receive the blessing that God wanted for me, which was the release from stuff. Yeah. Because most people, when they hear this story, the first thing is, goes, where is he now? Right. You know, did he right. turn his heart to God? I, I, I wish I had a definitive answer, but I can tell you this, and this was the grace that I think God gave me in that, was whether or not he became a Christian, is a Christian, whatever, wherever his situation is today or not, I was an important step in God showing him the grace, love, and compassion that he has, that God has for him. Absolutely. And I think as Christians, you know, we, we want to tie it all up with a bow mm-hmm. and say, and he came to the Lord right. and now he's pastoring his own church. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. Wouldn't that be an awesome story? But <laughs> it but, would be, yeah. but it rarely happens that right. way. And not that that couldn't happen. Oh, like absolutely. down the road, you might actually get that call. I don't Ex- know. Yes. But what you said is the important thing. It's like obedience to God isn't always about having this beautiful story. Yeah. It's about being the beautiful story. And anytime we are obedient to God and we make these choices that seem reckless or radical, there's always something for us Mm -hmm. too. Because God is both and. He provided a place for him to be in that season where he was safe, where he could sleep, where he could rest. But then he was doing an inner work in you and potentially an inner work in him too. Because maybe he'd never had an encounter like that with a Christian. Or maybe it reminded him of growing up in a family where he had that and didn't think that that was real. I don't know. But I think that's the point is like a lot of times we want to know, God, why are you calling me to obedience? Why are you asking me to do this? And he's not guaranteed to give us an answer. Right, right. I mean, I, I've been thinking about this today as I was kind of processing through what, what, your, what your topic is and what we're bringing. And one of the greatest joys and frustrations in ministry is that God wants to use the church to help people grow in their maturity to live out a faith and a ministry. Sometimes that means we spend a lot of energy helping someone so they can go be somewhere else and help someone else. Right. Which means I, I just spent all this time on this great leader. Now I got to say goodbye. And one of the things I, I truly appreciate about the the body of faith here at our church is is this true understanding of what I believe is the correct vision of what church of God is about. And that is, 
I'm not the guardian of heaven or hell. Right. I'm not, I'm not the producer of salvation. Thank God. Right. Cause I'm broke. <laughs> I mean, bad. Uh, but, but that means that the old, the old school people in the denomination I grew up in say we reach our hand to every blood washed one. I love that. And that phraseology reminds us that the kingdom of God is so much bigger than a congregation. Mm-hmm. And so, People will come here, and and I had a very wise pastor when I first got into ministry told me that, that, Trey, you need to always remember that there are people in your congregation that are there for a reason. And when that reason changes for them, they'll be gone, and that's okay. Right. And then there's people that are there for a season, and you don't necessarily know what brings them there or what takes them away, but you just accept that. And then there are, there's that other third that's there for a lifetime. And you're not ever going to run them off, right. whether you want to right. or not. That's, our, that's us. That's <laughs> me and Brian. Yeah. You're not running yeah. us off. Yeah. So, so, but embrace the fact that there are people that God gives you for a reason and for a season and celebrate that mm-hmm. and then celebrate the lifetime people because they're going to walk with you. Sometimes they're your biggest supporters and sometimes they're your biggest critics, mm. but celebrate the fact that they're willing to hang in there for the long term too. And so, that pastor who gave me that advice a long time ago, I, I look back on that with such great wisdom now to understand that we are called to play a part. Yeah. And I love that sometimes I get to be a part of taking someone from a negative in their faith to a positive. Mm-hmm. And it's awesome. You know, I love being a part of baptisms and, and praying prayers of salvation with people. But sometimes it's about taking them from a negative 10 to a negative nine. Yeah. And we're never going to see. We, if we're lucky, we get to know that that happened mm-hmm. eventually, but more often than not, we don't. Yeah. And just to be okay with that and to understand that when God calls us to do something really stupid by worldly standards, sometimes there's a big bonus at the end of that, a big payoff. And I, well, I think there always is. Yeah, like, it, yeah. it might not be the the payoff that that you might think it is, but there is some spiritual blessing that is in that. Whether it's personal growth or whether it's just a place for them to crash where they're safe, because you don't know what could have happened to him in that space. And honestly, he doesn't know what could have happened to him in that space. And so we know that there was a reason why it had to happen at that time. And, and, you know, I dreamed, you know, it's like the prayers are, it's going to make an awesome story one day when this guy is my associate pastor and we get to. No, that's that's not the story God had for me. In fact, it was just the opposite because there was a ton of heartbreak mm-hmm. in the moment. The morning he moved out was not pretty. Two years later, God gave me a glimpse when he came back and he said, man, I'm sorry I left the way I did. Mm. You really, you really worked hard to help me. And I can't begin to say how much I appreciate that. He wasn't becoming a pastor. Right, right. <laughs> but but there, was, there was a lot of heartache that was involved because I had... A vision, a goal, a dream of my own that wasn't God's. It was a way that I could pat myself on the back, right? right? Look what I did. And and God goes, hey, that's not how I usually work. Mm-hmm. And so, he just wanted me to be faithful. And I think when we just take the faith steps, it's why I love thy word be a lamp into my feet and a light into my path. I always continue to back that up because I don't know, that that particular scripture just always comes back to me as a way that God says, look, the big goal is way out here. Keep moving in this direction. But I'm just asking you to take this step of faith today. And it can be something huge, like inviting a homeless guy to live with you and your one-year-old child and your four-year-old child and your wife who's still getting up in the middle of the night to feed the one-year-old child. Right, right. Or 
It could be speaking to the new employee, you know, speaking to the new student in class. Or I can remember one time uh, my church was was wanting to do something that was really fun. We showed up one Sunday morning and I handed people $20 bills. And I told them to leave the church right now, get in your car and pray that God would give you someone who needed that. I gave them parameters Mm -hmm. like, okay, you five people are going to go to Walmart or Meyer or Menards, which were other stores in the area. Uh, You are going to go to gas stations. You guys, I gave you $20 in roll of quarters because you're going to go to laundromats and and just (laughs) those weird parameters. Mm -hmm. Well, in order to kind of test the theory, uh, my associate pastor and I loaded up and we went to Walmart with $50 in our pockets. And on the walk up... There was a lady that was sitting outside and we we were like, look, I know this is like super weird, but um, (laughs) we wanted to give you a hand. And the only thing we're going to ask in return is, can you tell us what we can pray for you about? We're not going to make you pray like right here and now. We're Mm -hmm. not going to like that kind of stuff, but we would love to help you. And so is there something that you need? And then is there is there something that we can be praying for you about to care for your spiritual needs? And she was like, well. I need, and she told us, and it was like $30. Mm-hmm. And so we were like, okay, here's $30. And we handed her $30. And we said, what, what can we pray for you about? And she just began to spill her heart, mm. right? All the stuff that's led her to sitting outside of a Walmart in the middle of the day with a McDonald's cup that's obviously not today's. Right. Um, and, and, and then she said, but I don't want you to go away and pray for me. I want you to pray for me here and now. Mm. And I'm like, what? Okay, I didn't expect someone right. to be like open to that. Yeah, and so so we do that, and then we get in the car, and as we're leaving, there's somebody that's standing at the road holding mm-hmm. a sign, need money, whatever. So we still have this twenty bucks in our pocket, and because I'm driving, the associate pastor jumps out of the car, runs up, gives this lady twenty bucks, and she gives him the biggest hug. Aww, and like thank you. I mean, like wow, like heartfelt, like, mm-hmm. oh my goodness. And mm-hmm. you know, we always are so skeptical of people standing on the side of the road asking for money, but we had the $50 we were ready to give away. And, right. And so, but in that process, just the weird thing of jumping out and seeing the reaction of the one woman who just spills her heart and says, no, but you can't go away to pray. You have to pray with me right now. Mm-hmm. And just the amazingness of that moment. And then to, to leave that moment. And here's this woman gives a big hug to the guy that jumps out of the car and hands her 20 bucks and neither of those responses were expected. You know, we had no idea what we were going to get ourselves into, yeah. but just to, just to try something, just to do something and be obedient. The fun thing was, was the very next Sunday, we had a testimony Sunday about what happened with your $20 mm. and, and to have 35 people walk back into the sanctuary because they went out often as two or three people in a vehicle. Right. But, but to come back in and them to go, you would believe. I didn't know well enough to prepare my people for, they're not going to let you leave. You're going to be, you have to be prepared to pray with them right then. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because that was the response of, if we had 35 people, I would say 30 of them, the people wanted them to stop right then and there and pray with them. You know, and I think what makes a difference, and Jesus exhibited this over and over and over again, it's physical need first. Mm -hmm. And that opens the heart to receive the spiritual. Yeah. And I think a lot of times we will overemphasize the spiritual, overemphasize evangelism, pray the sinner's prayer with them, get them in church, which those are great things. But at the same time, it's not the only thing. And if you've got somebody who's homeless or you've got somebody who's just down on their luck, prayer is great, but also 
I need to be able to buy some groceries. I need to be able to have a safe space to, to sleep tonight. And so, and like I said, I mean, even though your story said, oh, this is going to be a, you know, pat on my back, but, (laughs) and and we're not telling this story so that we pat you on the back. Although we do recognize that your obedience to God is good Mm. and worthy, right? But it is for us to see, like, it doesn't matter what it is. If God is inspiring you to do it, Mm -hmm. it has purpose. Yeah.